Spotify. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist Podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Liberal Cube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist. Today within the Liberal Cube, my friends is Movie Monday. Move over Monday, it's Movie Monday, which is very similar, although it is good, whereas regular Monday is not good. That's the main sort of difference, and we talk about movies. I suppose you could do that on a regular Monday, however, this is specifically designed for that function. Something I like to say at the top of every show, really, is that there will be spoilers. Folks, please, please take heed of this spoiler warning. I have lots of heed. Don't worry about taking all of my heed. I have basically an infinite supply of heed for you to take with regards to my daily spoiler warnings. Hmm. Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No. <laughs> Uh, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment in iTunes, as that is what helps others find the podcast. Thank you very much for those who have done so. Very, very much appreciated, and it does not go unnoticed by me or others for that matter. That will, of course, take us into our last piece of podcast-related business before we hop into this Movie Monday episode, and that is today's sponsor, which is the Vatican Home Pregnancy Test and Exorcism Kit. Once again, today's sponsor is the Vatican Home Pregnancy Test and Exorcism Kit. Thank you very, very much to them and their support. Couldn't have done it without you. Probably could have, actually. No offense. Oh, they probably won't be sponsoring tomorrow's show. Oh, jeez. Now that I said that, silly. Today for you, for your listening pleasure, my voice went up at the end of that sentence to indicate it was a question. I have two, possibly three movies. I'm going to see how I do with two, and if I have time fit in a third one, that may or may not fall into the movie category, okay? Cryptic, I know, but I am sometimes cryptic on this show. And that almost rhymed, that series of sentences. Movie the first is Rush Hour 2. Rush Hour. And then we're going to go ahead and throw a 2 on the end of that to indicate that it is the second movie in the Rush Hour trilogy, let's call it. If you listened to last Movie Monday episode, you will know that we uh, brought back Rush Hour 1. Why did we bring that back? And of course, I'm using the Royal Podcast We uh, brought it back because The Misses is a huge, inexplicably huge fan of the Rush Hour series. It does not make any sense. I don't get it. Uh, further do not get how she did give this movie, like the first, a 5 out of 5. 
<laughs> that is obviously a broken scale. I say if Rush Hour is getting 5 out of 5, and that's a good recent example, uh, This Is The End got a 3 out of 5 on her scale. That's a broken scale. There's no sort of ifs, ands, or buts about it. That being said, <laughs> our sort of plan because we have done it so far, is that this coming weekend, we're probably going to watch Rush Hour 3. Hey, why not? Get the whole trilogy in, one per weekend. I very, very much like these movies. Probably, so far, an average rating of 3 to 4 out of 5. So, they're good. There's, there's lots of laughs, some good action, a little, little bit of everything. A little heartwarminess, a little action suspense. I already said action, said it twice, because Jackie Chan is oozing with fluidity of motion and action-iness. Mm -hmm. That's a thing. And uh, they're just good. They're just good. If you are unfamiliar with the series and didn't listen to last movie Monday episode, what is wrong with you? Jeebus. The movie star Chris Tucker, who I haven't really seen much from lately. I wonder what his most recent movie was. Kind of uh, went off the map a little bit. And Jackie Chan, who a little bit of the same. Kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. These two together in a action movie is, for me, it's like peanut butter and jam. They fit so, so perfectly together. And from the outtakes that appear at the end of the movie, and sort of the, the movie as a whole, I get the feeling that they sort of uh, get along with one another, like one another, are, are potentially even friends. Oh. So uh, that's kind of a nice thought, and I believe it comes across on film. Something interesting about this part two in this trilogy, and I can't, I tried to think of an example, maybe you can, maybe we can get a little audience participation. This movie takes place three days after the events of the first movie. I can't think of a trilogy, really, where the events are so, so closely together as only three days apart. Very, very interesting. Or not even trilogy, but a sequel, where the sequel takes place so shortly after the original movie. If you can think of one, as I say, audience participation time, what you can do is tweet at me, Jordan underscore Maywood, or perhaps email me to the address provided in the closing credits. Anyone who does so, I will uh, probably try to, definitely even, bring it back and say, this person says that within this movie, this happened. Okay? Okay. I just... Were some of the Star Wars movies, actually, now that I think about it, very close to one another in time? Uh, I don't know. Let me know. Let me know. This podcast is, for a lot of, directed to people directed to and at people who are or would be fans of the Star Wars series. So, you know, potentially someone listening to this knows that fact. Yeah. This one, once again, as I do believe the last one did as well, involves a f faction of the Chinese Mafia. Oh. Folks, uh, with that said, I am going to have to stop for a second and um, get something from someone doing a, a secret stop, basically. What I am doing is stopping at a sort of halfway to work point where I am meeting the boss's wife and picking up a giant jug of water. 
Is that something that has ever happened before? No, it is a strange set of circumstances that I'm doing this. But hey, you gotta have water. Folks, if you do not drink water, you will die. That is how that works. Uh, with that said, I will probably from several seconds from now edit, edit, edit this out and be back in a moment. So uh, that's just what I'm gonna do. Starting. Um, right about now. Editing, editing, editing. On the road again. Road again. Well, mission accomplished. I have a giant jug of water beside me. One of those, like, water cooler jugs of water. Yeah, got it all belted in. <laughs> like you would do if you had a keg beside you. Not that I know that from experience. Yeah. Yep. Alright, so where did I leave off? Jackie Chan, Chris Tugger versus a Chinese Mafia sort of folk, as it was in the first one. Hmm. This one starts out where uh, sort of Chris Tucker is just there on vacation after their last harrowing experiences of three days previous, but Jackie Chan is forced to take on another case. And without letting Chris Tucker know, sort of pulls him in, which doesn't go over too well. Starts out, for example, in a bar where there's karaoke. Uh, Chris Tucker thinks it's just a, you know, a bar. Whatever. However, turns out it's sort of a mafia-run and filled with mafia-type people bar, despite he is, uh, he sort of learns of this fact while he's up getting his Michael Jackson karaoke on. Lovely. Second similar scene is where Jackie takes him to a spa, a massage parlor. Huh? Huh? <laughs> Again, he thinks he's just there to get a massage. However, it's owned by these same folk. Shit goes down there as well. Jeez. Then Chris, I guess, is on board. That's not their names in this. Although there is uh, quite a few outtakes where they say each other's names. Actual real names, not their names in the movie. Uh, they go to L.A., follow these bad guys. They go to Las Vegas, where the sort of final showdown takes place in a casino. And uh, all in all, I think, very, very good. One thing I think might have been a good idea that I believe I could have fit in is somehow, someway had it so they had to break into the casino, like, vault. So that way you would wrap up in this movie sort of a bit of a heist movie. And everyone loves a heist movie. So, uh, you know, just a thought. That being said, very, very good. Highly recommend this series as a whole. And looking forward to Rush Hour 3 this weekend, to which I will bring back. And the misses, I have a feeling, is going to friggin' dole out another 5 out of 5 insaneness. Okay, so the next movie is is called Hell Baby. That is the word hell followed by the word baby combined in one title. This is a comedy. This is a horror, um, but mostly a comedy with that is making fun of horror. It's sort of a little spoofy, like a um, one of those movies, not another horror movie. Or no, no, a scary movie. Sort of, but very, very light on that. In fact, uh, I kind of debated whether even to bring that thought up. It's, it's that sort of not like that. But it is a little bit. A very, very little bit. Movie stars Rob Corddry and Leslie Bibb. Leslie Bibb, I believe, is an actress who, if you Google that name, get a look at her, you will recognize her. 
Rob Corddry as well. Rob Corddry. They play a young couple moving into what turns out to be the most haunted house in all of New Orleans, or New Orleans, depending on how you want to say the name of that city. Leslie Bibb's character is gigantically pregnant, ready to pop at any moment. However, the hauntingness of this house has other things to say about that than having a normal pregnancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For example, basically, for the most part, I guess, I suppose, you would say, possesses her. Sort of a little Rosemary's Baby, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of there. It is mashing together quite a few things from other movies, although doing it superbly and making it their own, and the jokes are flowing fast and furious, uh, I would say that this movie has a very, very high JPM ratio, that is, of course, jokes per minute, which uh, I will quite often talk about when talking about... <laughs> talk about when talking about comedy things such as comedy movies. This is very high in the JPMs, whereas, for example, Rush Hour, which is a comedy, much, much lower in the JPM. I guess probably because they're throwing in action and suspense as well, so they can't have it all jokes all the time. What I've done is written down, because the cast of characters in this movie is sort of like a, a potpourri, or a potpourri, if you prefer, of very, very... Uh, very funny actors and actresses. I've sort of just written them down, because uh, you will guarantee recognize a bunch of them, and I think that will help me explain the story a little bit as well. i got to kind of hurry. Uh, I can tell you right now, guaranteed not going to have time for that third quote-unquote movie. first person I've got down here is Keegan Michael Key. I believe he might have been on Saturday Night Live. He plays the kind of sort of, kind of, sort of neighbor... Fresno, Fresnel, <laughs> who's uh, basically living in their house without their knowledge, or sort of with their knowledge. He will just occasionally pop up, pop in, just like, hello! <laughs> that will then scare the shit out of Rob Cordry. Rob Cordry's scream of fright will then scare the shit out of Fresnel. Uh, <laughs> uh, there was one point where they did something that is my favorite, is they did it too long. The sort of, oh, 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 like, oh, you scared me, but went on for more, more longer, yeah, more longer, more longer than is normal in an actual existing real world. So uh, I very much appreciated the, oh, oh, man, oh. Robert Ben Garant, oh, I don't know if I wrote that down right, and Thomas Lennon who you may recognize from a little television show, Reno 911. Both played priests from the Vatican, from the Vatican, who were sent to sort of exercise the demons of this house and peoples. Um, Michael Ian Black and Rob Hubel played cops, and uh, I thought that was funny because uh, Thomas Lennon and... Robert Ben Garant play cops and yet did not play the cops in this movie. So, was it a, them stretching their acting chops? Uh, I suppose. I suppose. Rob Hubel and Paul Shear as cops were amazeballs. Sort of a little bit of your typical dumb cop moments. Don't have time to get into it, but one sort of bit was talking to um, 
to Rob Corddry and saying, yeah, way to go, Einstein, and then trying to come up with different smart people's names to fill in Einstein as they were doing it repeatedly, and then running out of ideas for smart people's names and just throwing in random names that made zero sense. Oh, I like that. Uh, Ricky Lindholm played the sister-in-law who had... I, I heard bits and pieces about this movie um, just because a lot, in fact, quite a number of the people in this movie are podcasters in the sense that they go on podcasts or in some cases have their own podcast. So I uh, knew quite a bit about it beforehand and despite the fact that my expectations were very, very high, they were goddamn met as well. Anyways, something I knew was that Ricky Lindholm who you may know from the comedy singing duo Garfunkel and Oates. She plays the sister-in-law, and I knew she had a naked scene where you got to see her nakedness. I did not realize it was going to be such a long naked scene, probably close to five minutes, maybe more, of her just standing around talking as if, as if nothing is out of the ordinary, naked. And I will say, pretty easy on the eyes. Pretty easy on the eyes. Uh, also appearing, just sort of on that note of podcasting, is uh, Kumail Nanjiani, who has uh, not, not a large part, but uh, but there's no small parts, as they say. He played a cable guy who came over for sort of a seance and smoked some weed. That part, see, you can have a small part in a movie like this, but it is very, very memorable because he's like, oh, I don't know if I should drive. Well, let's see. He gets in his cable van, starts to drive, is driving probably a half a kilometer an hour and runs over a bunch, very slowly, of uh, garbage cans. Lastly, on my list here, is Sierra. You may not know the name Sierra. She, or I suppose he, played the ghost dog. The ghost dog. Folks, I'm at work. We did it. Yay. That movie, easy, easy, easy. Five out of five. No questions asked. Uh, that will leave one final thing to say, which is, of course, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine Live long and prosper.